1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Star Wars Action News. This is Marjorie. And
2: this is Arnie. And settling into our new every other week schedule has really freed up some time. We've got a hands-on review coming up of the entire first wave of 6-inch figures. Something I've been meaning to get to but just hadn't had time to get downstairs and take photos of and really get to play with the 6-inch figures there. I'm not going to touch that. We've also got Brock joining us with a review of J.W. Rensler concluding his trilogy of making of books with the making of Return of the Jedi. But first, the store report. I'd been hunting and hunting for the Toys R Us exclusive vintage X-Wing. Not that I couldn't find it. Oh, I could find it. What I've been hunting for is a coupon because I didn't want to spend $60.
1: Toys R Us is high priced anyway. And when you have the exclusive, you don't have a choice where you can buy it, obviously. So you just have to wait for a sale or a coupon and pray it's still there.
2: Yeah, they had a 25% off all Star Wars sale going on. But when they had that sale, I couldn't find the X-Wing. And then, as soon as that sale ended, the X-Wing was put out in abundance at every Toys R Us I went to in Springfield and St. Louis. But thanks to Yakface for alerting me to a friends and family sale that was going on last weekend, got a 20% off coupon, and got the X-Wing for a much more reasonable $45. Which is about more in line with what we have paid in the past for this repackaged vehicle again a bit of a repaint but same mold as before so 60 was kind of sticking it to me
1: i'm glad that you're able to get it though
2: yeah of course just when i'm about to do my victory lap through the toys r us racetrack over getting that discount yakface reports the toys r us exclusive republic gunship is starting to hit
1: and here we do this dance all over again I think I need
2: a coupon because do you remember when the first Republic gunships came out back around Attack of the Clones and then they did the repaint for the Clone Wars and those Clone Wars ones were so, so difficult to find and they were going for over $100 on eBay and we were like, I cannot believe that people would pay $100 for a gunship.
1: Hey, you're going to, aren't you? Kind of hoping I won't have to. But you'll pay $99.99 for it because I know you.
2: Oh, I'll happily pay $99.99 for an item that has an MSRP of $119.99. Now, that Clone Wars gunship I mentioned before, and the Attack of the Clones ones, MSRP of $29.99. So, this is a $90 increase. (laughs) $90. Now, admittedly, this does come with two turrets and three action figures, which... If you look at the price, well, the turret was a pack-in with an action figure back then. And so if you were looking at, say, $2,003, this would probably have cost you $50. So a $70 increase. None of the figures are new either. Jedi Temple Archives had a reader send them some pictures. They have very old date stamps on the clones there. So those are just repacks. The Yoda may be new, but doesn't have a whole lot of articulation.
1: You're not going to get top quality figures with tons of articulation in these pack-ins. It's kind of like the afterthought.
2: Yeah, but man, you're right. Toys R Us is where I always blanch at the price of the exclusives. It started with the Millennium Falcon. Then they had the Adat, at the Endor Ad-At. The TIE Fighter. I think it really actually started before the Millennium Falcon when everybody was complaining about the Rise of Boba Fett battle pack with the Slave One and the Jedi Starfighter. They gouge. But at $120, I mean, I thought that Endor Adat might fly off the shelf. But I could have gotten that for 25% off with that coupon because those were sitting around. They still have the droid carrier sitting around. So I have a feeling they offer enough coupons that I can probably wait on this, but I'm not going to wait too long. I'm not going to wait till Black Friday because I'm scared that the Black Friday crowd will buy them out.
1: We haven't had a Star Wars Black Friday deal for quite a bit, and I'm so used to not looking for them anymore.
2: Right, I'm not saying there will be a deal.
1: No, I I know. I agree. I understand what you're saying, but I, I don't see that as a big item moving. People are more in... Interested in things that are going to cost very little money. And if it's not on sale, people don't touch it. Unless they're standing by the checkout and they're at a deep discount.
2: Right, but being an exclusive, I just don't think when the holiday rush starts in mass that they're going to be sitting around. I might be wrong on that, in which case I'll be keeping my receipt at the ready for a return because... I've just come to play that game with Toys R Us. I'm tired of paying full price for their exclusives the way I did those silly, silly X-Wing pilot sets which are still sitting at so many Toys R as I go to and then seeing them take their exclusives and mark them down.
1: It's a gamble. It and is. That's what it boils down to and it's just are you going to be risky or not?
2: The good news is when we dig out while we continue to catalog and excavate my collection, when we dig out my Clone Wars Republic gunships where I had the rule of three, I'm going to pay for this with one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so and you're I'm, just trading. Yeah. I'm so glad the rule of three is no longer in effect because that would have been a really hefty hit at, after sales tax, $400. Yikes. Of course, the Endor Adat at would have been there too, as would the big ad at And then... Yeah, I mean, you'd need Rancho Obi-Wan just to display that much loose stuff. But there's a lot of other Star Wars items out there. As Sansweet said, chilling me to my spine at Celebration Europe, Disney looked at Star Wars and went, you're not marketing it enough. (laughs) We're really going to market Star Wars. So there's a ton of stuff out there. If you've been following us on Facebook, Barrett was impressed with the new Star Wars wallets he found at Spencer's.
1: I forget that Spencer's exists a lot of times because I'm over 18.
2: Yeah, I loved it when I was a kid and I could glance at boobies.
1: There's always a the little naughty section that you yeah. we went to. Because, you know, you're like kind of like you're not supposed to look at it and they really would turn a blind eye if you did when you're underage.
2: Yeah, I tell my parents I want to go for the kiss stuff. And,
1: yes, exactly. Because
2: they had all that up front.
1: Mom, I want a band t shirts
2: Unfortunately, I mean, what I see is there's a orange X-Wing one, a... Boba Fett colored Mando one, and then a black Imperial one. But none say Bad Mother Zither on it. So I just, I think that there should have been like a Mace Windu wallet here. I think there's a great Pulp Fiction crossover opportunity that they missed. It could have the purple. Yeah, no. And then they say the holiday creep gets quicker and quicker each year. It smacked me upside the face when in early September... All of the end-of-year Christmas and New Year's items have started coming out. Jonathan reported finding all of next year's Star Wars calendars. It's too early for calendars. It's about right for calendars. They usually start in mid-summer, really. But I haven't seen the Star Wars ones yet. We went to a couple different malls, and I still haven't even seen the calendar kiosks or stores out. But they may not have those anymore since Borders is gone and Borders ran those.
1: I think we had one last year in a mall in St. Louis, but it was like an empty storefront that they just put the calendar slash crappy games that were overpriced in one thing. But yeah, since Borders is gone, you really don't have the calendar stores anymore. Kind
2: of cool, though. They did a Darth Vader and Sun calendar to capitalize on the popularity of Jeffrey Brown's book. I think that's a great idea. I like it when they're doing something new with calendars. After 33 years of Star Wars calendars, I want to see something different. I like it when they do the trivia calendars for the calendar a day. I like it when they tie in or do a different style, so to have a Darth Vader and Sun one kinda makes me smile. What makes me frown is the Angry Bird Star Wars calendar. I will not be buying.
1: I am so glad to hear that.
2: There's also a nice poster calendar. I really like those. Even if I've seen some recently that have a disclaimer that says posters for use as calendar only, despite being perforated. I think they're afraid people are going to scan them or reproduce them or something.
1: I don't understand that disclaimer that what would you do with it? I mean, if you buy it, you can do with it what you want and hang it on your wall.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's perforated for framing. I don't have the wall space to frame every month of a 12 or 16 month calendar, but...
1: It's probably not printed on great paper either or in a great printing process.
2: Then there's the standard one and the day at a time one that has some Chris Trevis art on it. It does not appear to be trivia, but I like it when they do the art of type of calendars, you know, anything to keep it mixed up, keep it different until at least 2015 when every Star Wars calendar will be an F7 calendar.
1: Ugh, oh, if you call it that again, I'm going to punch you. Understood. And I get to pick the location. Got it.
2: If it's too early for New Year's calendars, how about some Christmas ornaments?
1: Well, absolutely, because it's a perfect time to discuss Christmas. Actually, it is. I have a new job where I deal with this kind of stuff. Christmas stuff is was ordered and it's shipping already. And we're getting ready to debut our new Christmas line for 2014 in the next month. So this is what happens in retail. I
2: guess I shouldn't be shocked because every year in July, we start our Christmas ornament buy at Hallmark. Yes. I've just become conditioned that Hallmark will sell me Christmas ornaments in July and I won't think anything about it. But when I go to Toys R Us and I expect to look at the Halloween items because just one week earlier, they put out the Halloween items and there's not one Christmas item. There's an aisle of Christmas ornaments. I really felt old. I really felt like these kids bring a Christmas earlier every year. But honestly, I do think that if given a long enough time frame, that yes, they will put out the Christmas ornament aisle in April. Did you
1: shake your cane at them too? I might have. God, I hope their ball doesn't end up in your yard. I'll
2: be one of those neighbors who doesn't give it back.
1: Oh yes, absolutely. I fully expect that when you're older.
2: There were a lot of those cheaper ornaments that I'm more used to seeing at Target. There was a Yoda, a Vader. There were a couple of Yodas. One was a figure Yoda and one was just a flat kind of diamond ornament of Yoda. There was a Clone Wars R2-D2. They were all on the green packaging, not this year's Vader Reaching Out at You packaging. So makes me wonder how many of these might be left over from last year, including the holiday tree set that I got last year, that $25 two-foot artificial tree that comes with all of the ornaments and the garland with it for 24.99 if you missed out on that last year i'd suggest getting it early this year as it sold out pretty quick
1: and it's not necessarily that they had some left over it could be just be it sold so well they brought it back and reintroduced it and it, we did see it
2: only for a limited time The fact that it's in the same packaging is what confuses me. Because remember, this year, the line look was supposed to be that 3D Darth Vader to tie into the 3D Revenge of the Sith. These are all in the 3D Attack of the Clones packaging. Then again, maybe they knew this stuff would be out in August. (laughs) But it's not just Toys R Us. Listener Rex posted to our Facebook wall, he found those Fabrice... R2 and 3PO kind of statue decoration things, as well as the snow globes with Darth Vader building the snow Death Star and such. All stuff we've seen before repackaged and being put out there again, but... These are good Christmas items. We put them out every year.
1: Yeah, I have a little display of snow globes I put on our mantle.
2: Yes, you can go back to hear our last year's show about how the snow globes got a little cloudy.
1: Only one of them and, well, it's not able to be fixed.
2: I finally found a replacement on eBay for $3. And
1: you know what? $3 is a great amount because I would have had more than that in frustration.
2: (laughs) But the stuff I
1: expect
2: to find in stores around this time of year, Halloween items, Jonathan talked last week about some of the dollar stuff items at Target, and I went in there, I could not resist picking up quite a bit of stuff. There was a ton of items, and again, with episode 7 coming...
1: Much better, Ernie, much better.
2: My completism was flushed down the toilet like a bad batch of drugs, so I skipped a lot of the stuff they had there, like the plastic dineware set, I guess they call it. It looks like a dog bowl and a, I mean, it's it's supposed to be a human bowl, but it looks like a dog bowl. Is it tiny? Yeah.
1: Maybe our dogs need a new Halloween food bowl.
2: And a cup that looks like the kind you'd keep by the sink to winch your mouth out after you brush your teeth. Uh Uh-huh. And then a plate that's pre-divided like a frozen dinner. Now the Target one spot though, wow, times are a changing because these dineware sets were three dollars. I remember when I used to go to the Target one spot and not have to ask how much.
1: (laughs) Now it's just the cheap spot. Yes. Yeah, kind of. They also
2: had the notebook and pencil sets for $3 that I normally would have snatched up in the past, but passed on those because I just don't think they'll display very well. They did have a couple cool things. Candy jewelry that was really cute. It was a necklace. And then they had little bracelets of candy that have Darth Vader and the Clone Trooper on them. What I find really funny, though, is beneath each face, almost a quarter as big as the face, is Copyright Lucasfilm Limited. (laughs) It's huge. I'm guessing you just can't print fine detail on candy, but... It seems very oddly branded. They also had glow-in-the-dark edible lightsabers. But yeah, I've bought some of those lightsaber candy things in the past. Remember those sugar syrup things that Scott drank one of a long time ago?
1: And it was very old, yes. Yeah,
2: I decided not to get candy in this case that would melt. I did buy some Star Wars candy this week, but we'll talk about that later. But I did end up getting a couple of things I just couldn't pass on. What started the damn breach was these little bags. They're reusable shopping bags, but I'm pretty sure, based on the size, these are intended to be your kids' trick-or-treat bags.
1: Well, they're about a quarter of the size of regular shopping bags. They're actually perfect for a big bottle of wine. (laughs) If you want to give a fun hostess gift, maybe you could throw some Skywalker wine in one for somebody.
2: They just started shipping to Illinois, you know.
1: Did they? Would you like some? Maybe we have to, you know, test it for the sake of... uh... Research.
2: (laughs) They just had some art that I hadn't seen before on the Imperial Stormtrooper bag. It's a white and black bag with a nice helmet and a nice logo on one side. Then on the other side is a full bag drawing of the Stormtrooper head. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. Then they had the Darth Vader Sith Lord one, which I don't know why I'm referencing the band Kiss so often, but it reminds me of like their rock and roll over record cover. It's Darth Vader in this big circle with like lightning coming behind him.
1: Look, every single marketing idea can be tied back to Gene Simmons. Let's just face it.
2: I'm waiting for the Star Wars coffin. I know. And then I did buy the third one, even though if they'd all looked like this, I would have bought none of them. Again, once the dam is breached, a lot of water spills through and it was just a Yoda photo bag.
1: <laughs> it's a gateway drug.
2: Yeah, that's <laughs> kind of what it is. I also bought a Darth Vader tin bank that I might not have bought at all if I wasn't buying anything, but since I'd already started putting collectibles in my cart.
1: This is a horrible bank. The art is fuzzy.
2: I thought that was the style.
1: It's a bad style. This is what happens when you go to the store alone.
2: (laughs) Unsupervised purchases. But I bought stuff for you, dear. because I saw Jake art, and I know how you cannot resist Jake art. And it was... And I only saw these this week. I didn't see them before. The Play Pack Grab and Go sets. These are four crayons, one sticker sheet, a 24-page fun-sized coloring book, all for a dollar. And yeah, it has Jake art of a ghost R2-D2 in the corner and... Luke Skywalker practicing his lightsaber by slicing a jack-o'-lantern. There's four different covers, two of which are more spooky. There's a Darth Vader and a C-3PO and R2 that are all orange and Halloweeny.
1: So you did buy quite a few of
2: these, I see. I bought one of each to keep packaged and then one to open.
1: I see you've got... Two of the Darth Vader. So, okay, I see what's going on here. Yeah, I
2: really like the skeleton Darth Vader. I'm so glad. This looks to me like art I've never seen before. And the skeleton Stormtrooper in the corner. Yeah, yeah. I'm so tired of the reuse of the clip art that we see again and again when Lucasfilm puts out their approved marketing materials and people just drag drop Photoshop and call it an item.
1: <laughs> drag drop and Photoshop is that like stop drop and roll.
2: Yeah, it kind of is. But this had original enough art to make me want to buy this and be able to reference this. I mean, that skeleton Stormtrooper rocks.
1: I was actually a big fan of the Sugar Skull-esque Stormtrooper head on the front of one of them.
2: Yeah, that's on the coloring book inside. And that is very cool.
1: The coloring book is the same in every package. It's just the pages are in different order and they have different covers. So don't think that you're getting a different coloring book each one. It's the same art, just in a different order.
2: And the same sticker sheet in each one, Yes,
1: the exact same stickers.
2: That... Cover, though, with the Stormtrooper you pointed out would make a really cool tattoo design idea.
1: It would. I think I'd get it more colorful, though.
2: Yeah, but it does kind of remind me of, like, that Guns N' Roses kind of tattoo style. Mm Mm-hmm. So those were very cool and all able to be found in that cheap aisle right when you walk into Target when that funky floor wax smell punches you in the face you know when you're still not used to how the place smells every Target I've been to they have the same smell
1: they do it must be their cleaner their carpet their tile I have no idea what it is but it seems people are buying the
2: orange Darth Vader one more than others because that's the only one I couldn't find two of and the skeleton Darth Vader I got the last two they had but I got the last one of the orange Darth Vader I don't know why people were drawn to that one. They had tons of the Jake Luke and tons of the orange droids left over.
1: You're thinking way too hard about stuff in the dollar spot. Probably am.
2: I also got, and again, this is one of those, once the checkbooks open, I spend a little bit more freely, some jumbo erasers. And I really only got them because they were bulky.
1: These are not just jumbo. These are like quarter pound erasers. They're huge. They're as big as my hand. You're making that many mistakes. (laughs) Are you writing things in pencil? Are you in school? Is this the 80s?
2: They were just so
1: thick and heavy and
2: well printed for a dollar eraser.
1: That's what she said.
2: Ha! I got the Clone Trooper and the R2-D2. Those were the only two I saw. But... These felt more collectible than a lot of erasers do. This is one of those purchases I'll be regretting and probably selling at Toy Man in a year for 50 cents. Oh, I bet you're going to regret it next week. I did go back to the actual Halloween section in Target because we've been looking for some Halloween decorations for our house I went to see what Star Wars they had. All I saw were the same pumpkin sets as last year where there's the carving set and then there's the stick arms and head on and you can make a Darth Vader or a Yoda. But Magni Thorson, sorry if I didn't pronounce your name entirely correctly, posted two cute items that's going to send me on a Target store run because I must have these. There is a really cute trick-or-treating yoda
1: he's kind of cute it's like a little baby yoda
2: i thought he was adorable with his little trick-or-treat pail out and then not as necessary but again i think it's one of those if i find it and my wallet's open already the darth vader halloween lights i don't know when somebody decided halloween needs christmas lights in orange and we'll just call them halloween lights but
1: i believe it might have something to do with pinterest
2: But those were kind of cool as well, the way they glow that blackish-orange. So I'm definitely going to be stalking our targets. Strangely, while Toys R Us is all ready for Christmas, our targets still seem to be in the vestigial stages here in late September of putting out their Halloween items. Whereas I noticed Toys R Us and other places are having sales on their costumes already. If you haven't bought your Halloween costume by now, (laughs) pshaw. But my big hunt lately has been... For a black series, three and three quarter inch clone trooper. Because knowing these were wave one and trying to save a little bit of money again, I did not order these figures by the case. Like I'd gotten just conditioned to doing with the vintage collection. I'm like, these will be out there. How could I possibly have foreseen Bubblegate?
1: (laughs) Oh man, this has really got some internet rage going on, doesn't it? And... We
2: saw the most creatively packaged clones. Now, the clone seems to be one of the more popular figures. I wasn't able to find it all that regularly. Maybe it's because I was looking for it. But, man, I found taped bubbles. (laughs) I found shrink-wrapped back-on-the-card bubbles where Toys R Us had taken the entire thing and mummified it in shrink-wrap.
1: The best was the stapled
2: yeah it's stapled back on the card and somebody said it looked like something someone had returned no we took a picture of the clone trooper because that's the figure i've been looking for but they had multiple figures on the card where somebody had just brought out an industrial strength stapler like a carpet stapler and decided damn it these cards will stay Now, of course, Hasbro, for all the reading I've done, has been mum on this issue. I'm pretty sure that they won't respond to collectors who can't get mint on card packages because that's not what Hasbro's after. They are really gunning for the younger collector, and they've always said they've gone for the completest loose collector, not a completest carded collector, but... I think there has to be something because the retailers themselves are going to complain if the stuff is falling off the shelves, literally.
1: Well, because they have to do sometimes a caution write-off on that thing if the manufacturer won't take it back. So they lose money on damaged goods because to them, oh, you know, maybe a kid ripped it off or something. But as evidenced by the measures they're taking it seems to be that they know what's going on and this is the only solution because Hasbro's not taking them back, I bet.
2: Well, I don't know if Hasbro's taking them back or if stores aren't trying to send them back, but we have found ourselves so many dislodged and reattached bubbles that, I mean, normally I don't pay full price for an open item at the store. If I find something that's been pre-opened, a lot of times stores will give you discounts on that. And so, I haven't purchased any damaged bubble items, but people have pointed out that you could take that up to customer service and say, hey, this was opened, but sitting there, and can you make me a discount? But I'm hearing early reports saying wave two may have fixed this issue, and if they do any carry forward, if they have fixed the issue, maybe we'll see a reshipment of the first wave that's better. We'll find out. We're going to talk a little bit more about Wave 2 in a bit. It will really kill those variant hunters, though, who are looking for both the smooth bubble and the kind of embossed bubble on those cards because they have the little orange lines embossed. Not orange, but on the bubble.
1: Or the variant collectors who are looking for the staple versus the tape versus the shrink wrap. True. You gotta get that glued one in there.
2: Fortunately, the 6-inch Black Series have no problems of falling off the bubble? Because there's no bubble to fall off.
1: Tricky folks at Hasbro.
2: Now, I'd reported a while back that I was having trouble finding the Sandtrooper. I'd ordered the Darth Maul and the X-Wing Luke from Hasbro Toy Shop when they had a sale and got a good price on those. Found the R2-D2 and picked him up, but the Sand Trooper had been eluding me. And I want to thank everybody who emailed me and said they were finding Sand Troopers now, I can go to any store I go to and find the entire first wave of 6-inch figures just sitting there. The Sand Troopers are in abundance. I could go just here in Springfield and end up with a legion of 6-inch Sand Trooper figures. (laughs) I mean, I was at Target the other day. They had at least half a dozen. Toys R Us had a few. Walmarts. So... Let's take a look now that I've finally assembled an entire first wave. It takes a little longer to get these figures when I'm not ordering them by the case. How's that feel, though? Feels like savings. (laughs) These figures are numbered, so we'll start with figure number one, X-Wing Luke. They kind of defied my expectations because I really thought if you look at the popularity of figures and really characters from Star Wars, I thought for sure that the release of figures in a new line would kind of mirror what they did back with Power of the Force 2 in 95, and we'd get Farm Boy Luke and Darth Vader, but no, we're getting an X-Wing Luke and no Darth Vader in this first wave.
1: Yeah, you're right. That seems like they would make sense. That would be a great thing to do is to release... A set of figures with the same release pattern that they did for something else.
2: just Not necessarily to tie back to Power of the Force 2, but if you look at what I consider to be the popular characters of Star Wars, what's on everything? I think Luke, Han, Leia, Vader, Stormtrooper, C-3PO, R2-D2, and then Boba Fett, and then you start getting into the prequel characters after that.
1: Don't worry, Arnie. With episode seven, I'm sure we'll have a Zac Efron figure.
2: Eh, don't don't talk to me about rumors. I don't like rumors. But X-Wing Luke. Now, this is our second time looking at the six-inch figures. We did a review of the Boba Fett back in our San Diego Comic-Con coverage. But again, I'm really impressed with the size and the articulation on all of the six-inch figures we're about to discuss, at least the humanoid ones. We'll get to R2 and treat him separate. Are you a droidist? No, he's just not. The same as the others but one of the things i've always disliked is figures that show off their figures why didn't i collect gi joe as a kid i loved the cartoon i hated the fact that the figures had screws in them and you could see that they were clearly toys i liked more realism in my toys even when i was six so here i love the fact that there's a lot of posability you've got the ankle rockers you've got the mid thigh articulation all of this posability But all of this articulation is hidden and doesn't detract from the aesthetic of the figure the way I think a lot of super articulated figures in the three and three quarter inch line did. Now Luke's a little bit hampered because of the X-Wing outfit having that bandolier that kind of hangs down. Not bandolier, but what would you call that weird leg strap thingy?
1: The weird leg strap thingy? I'm sure it has a purpose. I don't know. Fighter pilots wear it too. I don't get it. I'm not a fighter pilot, nor do I ever want to be.
2: I kind of want to be. I'll be Jester, Top Gun. Okay. I'd be Goose, but he died. No Iceman? I think the paint job on him is remarkable to get back to X-Wing Luke. I love the fact that they did a wash on him. I mean, when we've talked to Hasbro at San Diego Comic-Con and things, one of the gripes we've had about recent vehicles that we took to them is, why does everything look so new? What happened to when you used to put a little damage and a little wear on these things to make them look like they did in the movie? And they said, cost money. So they obviously put the money in on the sext wing Luke to make his outfit look like it didn't just come from the cleaners.
1: That's true, but it's not orangey enough, in my opinion. It's a little muted orange. Maybe it's because he's been rolling around in the dirt too much. But I think it needs to be a little oranger.
2: I kind of like the orange because it's more realistic. I think if you went to too neon and orange, if you went to safety vest orange, I don't know that it would not stand out as being toyetic the detail's pretty well done i mean there's no part of him that's painted really poorly i think they did a good job of being in the lines and there's also no part of him where i go well they should have painted that they painted the chest plate they painted the little silver nipples on his leg wrap i thought those were bullets
1: or canisters of some point.
2: yeah they're probably canisters i'm not quite sure they're whippets I love that they use glossy paint for the boots and the gloves to really make it look like a leathery type of material.
1: Have you noticed what they did with the knees, especially? They made it look good from the front, so it doesn't look like the typical ball and pinion that you have with regular figures. Mm -hmm. So you can see it in the back, but in the front... It actually looks like a statue or something. You would never notice his articulation there.
2: Yeah, you didn't even notice the thigh articulation until I pointed it out.
1: Well, that's because who has thigh articulation? Do your thighs articulate? No. Why would I look for thigh articulation? Seriously, no. Do my thighs rotate? No.
2: I mean, they even went so far as to paint the silver on the buckle on the back of his vest. That is good attention to detail here. And this is what I would expect from a premium line of figures. And that's what I'm going to treat these as. When we reviewed the Saga Legends, we reviewed them as $5 figures. These are closer to $20 figures, and I'm going to treat them as such and expect something truly collector-focused, collector-oriented but you can get a lot of good poses out of him. Again, the leg motion is kind of hampered. There's some give in these straps, but you can't get a lot of good kneels or anything out of him.
1: No, it's like he's in bondage.
2: I like that the little tube that I never knew what it was for that hangs off his chest plate and goes into under his vest is not molded to the body. It is its own rubber piece.
1: I thought those were oxygen when they put their masks on. Except they're
2: masks don't have any face plates so i don't know
1: it's futuristic
2: that's true or a long time ago the luke skywalker likeness on the face could be improved it's okay it's really more generic blonde x-wing pilot than luke in my opinion with
1: 70s hair yeah Although, do you notice the wash they put on it makes it look like he's going gray
2: i just thought he'd just come from the salon and gotten highlights
1: gray highlights
2: Looking at his accessories, he comes with a blaster and a lightsaber, though I can't recall him ever actually using a lightsaber while wearing an X Wing outfit.
1: Not even during the Battle of Hoth? No.
2: He did, but that was a different X Wing outfit with the gray boots and the True. gray gloves and the funky padded collar to keep his neck warm.
1: Look, you got two accessories. Quit your complaining.
2: I got three if you count the helmet.
1: A helmet is not an accessory. The lightsaber actually comes apart so you can take the blade off and hang the hilt on his belt. There's a little hook and an eye there. You can do it. Although it hangs in kind of front and it's kind of phallic. It's a little Dirk Diggler. Yeah, it's Dirk Diggler. But... I like the fact that you can attach that
2: to his outfit. Here's what I'm going to say that this entire Black Series attempts to do is give you a definitive version of a character that you can pose in any way and the accessories you can go in any way. I don't see them having a need to ever do another X-Wing Luke. Maybe a Snowspeeder Luke because he's slightly different.
1: Well, that's not X-Wing Luke. That's Snowspeeder Luke. Right. Yeah, so they're different.
2: for his scenes in Return of the Jedi, his scenes in A New Hope his scenes going to Dagobah, this fits all of them perfectly. And we'll see that again when we get to Darth Maul. The blaster, I love the fact that it's a black blaster and they painted the butt of it brown and the nozzle of it silver. Again, it's attention to detail that is what I'm liking with this line.
1: They're worth the price point based on the paint apps, the sculpting, the articulation, and the accessories.
2: I mean, look at the helmet. The helmet has an amount of detail that... I would expect on a miniaturized FX Collectibles replica. I mean, it's got the wash, it's got all the detail, it's got the Rebel insignias, it's got the stripes. I'm really impressed with how they replicated the movie helmet there. I only wish it went on his head a little bit better. Because it has to go over his head, it's kind of large, and the yellow tinting that goes over his eyes kind of covers half his face and doesn't quite look well done.
1: It does not fit well because you're right. It, what they did is they gave him a regular size head. And a lot of times when you have this, you either have a smaller head or just a bigger helmet. Mm-hmm. And
2: also his hair kind of hangs out the back of the helmet.
1: Not if you push the helmet back and have the visors on his forehead.
2: Yeah. Well, if you have the visor covering the eyes, the hair is clearly visible out of the back. It's also a little bit tricky to get that chin strap on. I would fear if you keep taking his helmet on and off, You might eventually distend the rubber of the chin strap, but that's kind of a weird thing to worry about, I know. But overall, I mean, I'd give this figure definitely like an 8 out of 10 review. I think that there's so much right, just a couple of things about the helmet that aren't impressive enough, and the way the lightsaber hangs in front's a little bit off. But I'm real happy with this.
1: They're nice because they're different, too. I mean, we've not had something like this of this quality in an action figure type. I mean, those Unleashed really weren't... That, like this.
2: No, those were more stylized yeah. and they weren't posable.
1: Yeah, you got what was in the package. Next up,
2: figure two is Darth Maul. And this figure really does drive home how I think they're trying to give you a one-figure to be definitive and not need to re-release Darth Maul with cloak on or cloak off. Here you get it all. When you get him in the package, he has this big heavy cloak on like he wears for most of Phantom Menace. And the cape is a very malleable rubber to allow for some posability there, but not much. A lot of posability is restricted by this heavy, heavy cloak.
1: Does the cloak come off before I try?
2: Yes and no. We'll get to it. Let's look at it with the cloak on first. But I tried to replicate some of the poses Darth Maul makes when he's fighting Qui-Gon on Tatooine, and there's just not a whole lot of arm movement. I'll say, one disappointment with him is he comes with the macro binoculars he uses on Tatooine in this outfit, but you can't get him to hold the binoculars up to his eyes because his hand won't reach his face over the cloak.
1: Maybe he has an assistant Jeeves that holds them for him when he's wearing his cloak.
2: How do I hold my binoculars? Ask Jeeves.
1: Exactly. Well, maybe he's just going to hold them and kind of like, you know, it's like a purse or something for him.
2: That's kind of what it is. It looks more like a drinking canteen than binoculars if you can't put it up to his face. And the more you try to raise his arm, because it's rubber, the more his cloak kind of bends abnormally and creates this weird bulge in the outfit.
1: I like the cloaks' aesthetics, though. They did a rubber cloak on a Red Skull figure on the Marvel line, and it was tremendous because it was glossy, it looked like patent leather, and it fit right. This fits right. It
2: really does fit right, and... The only concession I see they made is that there are very large slits under the arms so that you can remove the cloak as needed. My other complaint though, is the head is molded to the cloak. And because of that, he's always looking down. He's like he dropped something. He can't look up. And Darth Maul was kind of a shorter character. Remember the scene where he's walking next to the Nemoidians and talking to holographic Darth Sidious? He's constantly looking up. And this head cloak thing, it's like he's looking for some change. He needs the metal detector on the beach accessory. Like the X-Wing Luke, the saber does come out of his saber hilt accessory. So you actually can get him with the double saber, but only one side ignited like he had when he was battling Qui-Gon on Tatooine in this big cloak. So you don't need another lightsaber accessory, even if the binocular accessory is kind of useless kind
1: of useless
2: it is useless but then to take off the cloak is a little bit tricky you've got to get the arms in under the cloak so you've got to pull out on the cloak a little and you have to pop his head off because the cloak is attached to the head
1: i never would have guessed that i have to pop his head off i would totally would have broken this had i ventured on my own and even still, you're still wrestling with it.
2: So then you can just get this weird cloak of Darth Maul with a head.
1: <laughs> so you get two figures for the price of one.
2: And then you see under the cloak is a really well done mixture of soft goods and rubbers to give you a highly detailed Darth Maul body. And then it comes with another pop on head. So you get him like he is in the final lightsaber battle on Naboo. Just got to push the head a little. There we
1: go. This rubber cloak works again. This is fantastic, especially with the soft goods underneath. I think this is great because it it effectively shows... The texture and the wrinkling and everything, the gathering. I think this is pretty good. Maybe they're onto something.
2: Yeah, I wasn't sure about the soft goods use, but it's so little and they have a nice cloth. It doesn't look like a disco fabric. So I think it really works. And my God, the poses I could get with him once that cloak was off. I was able to recreate most of the poses I tried from the Phantom Menace end of movie lightsaber fight. This guy can move.
1: He's a little stiff, though. But I think with time and with movement. And I think they
2: did a great job of the face. If you wanted a truly, truly definitive Darth Maul, I never need another Darth Maul. They could have done a third head with the gritting teeth showing the rotted teeth yeah. like you would do. But beyond that, I mean, here you have a Darth Maul that you can use in any setup, whether you're doing an early scene on Coruscant, Tatooine, or later on Naboo. It is really a wonderful figure, and Darth is a character that needs that level of articulation. You can see a little bit of joint holes on the side, but again, for what you're getting here, I definitely give this another 8 out of 10. I think they really did a great job with this Darth Maul.
1: This head also looks down, and I've tried scooting it up, but again, I don't want to break it or break any of his horns off. I'm considerate. There you go. Oh, that's much better. <laughs> well, it just looked like he was sad and downtrodden. Yeah,
2: I can get his head to move a variety of directions. And I like the difference of the matte and the glossy paints used again. And we commented on this when reviewing some other figures from Marvelicious Toys in a show that will be out in two days. But the glossy on the gloves and boots and belt really help it stand apart from the mats of the cloak. And then there's a third texture entirely on the head. I've never seen a Darth Maul action figure that looks this good when it's all basic black.
1: But at the same time, the basic black all looks different, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. So it really works. I think they've done another great job on this one.
2: And if you take the cloak off, you could get the binoculars pretty close to his face.
1: Not still usable. He'd still look like a loon. It's quite a bargain. Two Darth Mauls for the price of one.
2: Should be for the price. Figure three is the Sand Trooper, which is the one that was selling out first at first, but now I can still find him pretty much everywhere. Being a Sand Trooper, he is appropriately sandy and dirty.
1: Yes, he is. And doesn't look like he just like got sprayed in one or two spots. It's actually weathered all over. Very nice.
2: And it doesn't look too fakie. It has a couple spots like on the chest where it's a little too red, but it doesn't look like somebody went over it with an airbrush.
1: But they did a smart thing. And on this one, at least, I don't know. It's going to vary too much between them, but they like it settled in certain spots where it would naturally settle. True. Could be accidental, but hey, it works.
2: Because initially I was thinking before I had this in hand, hey, you remove a shoulder pauldron, you have a sand trooper, and that's a good way to reuse and make us rebuy. But here with this paint job... It's clearly a sand trooper through and through that works very well. Now he comes with a backpack that you snap into a little hole on his back. And it's got an over-the-shoulder pouch. I guess that's where he keeps his passport while traveling.
1: It's got his fruit snacks and beef jerky.
2: The front pouch doesn't hang down quite right when you get it over the shoulder. I had to kind of wiggle it to get it under the helmet a little to make it not look too bad, but it doesn't hang perfectly down the front. But what's really impressive is that large backpack does not offset his balance. I had no problem standing any of these figures with no use of stands, achieving a variety of poses, making him look like he was in a gunfight, and you could leave the backpack on or take the backpack off, and he was no more likely to fall backwards or fall forwards.
1: Yeah, that's kind of impressive that they've done that.
2: Again, a whole lot of articulation on him, ankles that rock so far, you can make them look like he stepped on a rock wrong and broke it.
1: This does not sit right on his shoulder. This is how it's supposed to sit. It's an ammo pouch. It is not his snack pouch.
2: Okay. Nor an
1: over-the-shoulder boulder holder. Okay.
2: (laughs) But it doesn't sit quite right. No,
1: it doesn't. When you look at pictures of sand troopers, it kind of just sits off to the side there.
2: Now, as a trooper should, he comes heavily armed with three guns. One is this BFG that looks like an elephant rifle.
1: They had these big guns, though.
2: Yeah, I know. I'm just saying I'm trying to come up with an explanation for it. I love that. And this happened with the X-Wing Luke, too. The finger goes in the trigger 100% of the time when they're holding their guns. So you can always make it look like they are about to fire the gun and not just holding the stock. And right now, somebody who knows a whole lot more about guns than I do is telling me that's not the stock. It's some other part of the gun.
1: It's the handle.
2: (laughs) My only problem is if you assume the stormtrooper is right-handed, which is what I would assume because he has the mega T finger.
1: He does have his finger. That's why I thought it went on that one. And this, The left hand is clearly holding the barrel of the gun. See, I knew that term.
2: Yes, barrel. Very good. But the problem is his left hand, at least on mine, is so tight in a fist. It's like he's got carpal. None of the guns fit in the hand. I've got three guns that come with him, and I couldn't get that left hand to wrap around any of them. But you can pose it so that you're resting the gun on top of the hand and making it look like the two handed firing that stormtroopers did, but I just never could get that hand around it, and I wish I could, especially on the blaster rifle. If you remember when they were storming the Tantive, they always had that two handed gun pose, and I just wasn't able to replicate that as well as I'd like. And that's an honest disappointment because being a trooper, I want to be able to have him in some really good action poses.
1: The gun is actually quite malleable too, which is kind of alarming. I tried to put it in there and it just got a little bit of a bend to it, which I was able to rectify. But if you do it long term, you could have a permanently bent gun.
2: All three of these guns are a little bit rubbery. I'm noticing a lot of rubbery parts on these. The limbs are also a little bit rubbery, giving you a little bit more bend.
1: Nice weathering on this other gun, though. This third one, the very large gun. Mm-hmm. Nice weathering because they got some of the silver showing through. But I think they did a great job. I love the helmet on this. I love the paint
2: job of the little silver dimples on the helmet. Now a 501st, guys, like those aren't dimples and they have a special name too, but I don't know what they are. And again, great articulation that the outfit hides very well. I mean the only way you could have gone any better is a soft goods body sock like an old Mego figure to be under the armor so that you're replicating a human being entirely. I actually do hope that they repaint this one maybe give us some exclusives maybe come out with a do-back. give us the different colored pauldrons i would love that or it's a very easy custom for you customizers out there to just grab these which are abundant on the shelves now and paint up the pauldrons
1: little expensive for that
2: yeah but you do want your troops you want your ranks to be there I like the fact that because these are expensive, Hasbro isn't glutting us with them. They're not sending out, we're already starting to get wave two of the Black Series three and three quarter, but this is it for the time being for this line until wave two hits in a few months. So it being expensive, they're spacing it out so it's not taking a lot more money. All that said, simply because of the gun pose problem, I'm going to knock this one down to a seven out of ten ranking. Really like the paint job, but... I'm having trouble getting him posed nicely to hold the gun where it doesn't look like an action figure. If you don't want him to hold a gun, though, then you've got... A really nice figure here who's always number one <laughs> of course one problem with a brand new line of toys is what are you going to pose him with you can't have him next to a land speeder with Luke and Obi-Wan telling them to move along move along you can't have them firing pretending to fire on an imaginary Millennium Falcon because you don't have Han and Chewie to fire back I mean right now you've got four figures that are pretty unrelated X-Wing Luke never encountered a Sandtrooper who never encountered Darth Maul. There's a riddle in there somewhere. I don't know where. But the one figure that ties them all together, figure four, R2-D2.
1: Is this line six degrees of separation from R2-D2? It
2: could be. I don't know. R2 and Darth Maul were in the same place at the same time. R2 was in the hangar when the doors opened and Darth Maul revealed himself to the Jedi and tried to have his revenge. But I don't know that... Darth Maul never took any note of the astromech.
1: He doesn't believe in it. He's a droidist.
2: But R2-D2, now this is the figure that a lot of people had problems with because if you go back to the Toy Fair photos, he looked really different. He was a little bigger. He was a little bit more paint washed. And according to Daryl DePriest, it's Lucasfilm themselves that stepped in and said, we're going to make some changes to this. But the final figure... Again, one droid to rule them all, he is loaded with accessories. I mean, if this was a car, you would definitely say it was loaded.
1: Yeah, he's got a little piece that pops out and he's got his little telescoping thing where he can see.
2: He's got three telescoping things. He's got the lightsaber so he could be firing it off like in Return of the Jedi. He's got the sensor like he deployed on Dagobah when he, I don't know if he was trying to listen to some oldies radio, maybe some Credence. And then the other piece that pops up when he's underwater On Dagobah or... The periscope, I guess, like thing. And each has their own hole. Three different segments of his head come off so you can actually put these pieces in their own compartments, which is kind of cool. And it does so only sacrificing a little bit of aesthetic because the three pieces that come off all have little tabs.
1: They do, I just noticed that you have a little way to grab them, because at first I'm like, how am I gonna figure out which ones it is? Oh wait, there's tabs.
2: And they're all different sized holes, so you can make sure you put the right item in the hole.
1: Now I have to say, having seen the Toy Fair one in person, didn't get to pick it up because they have big burly guys that don't let you do that. (laughs) This one feels very cheap and this just feels like a bigger three and three quarter inch figure. It doesn't have the heft. It doesn't have the same rubber feel. I don't feel that this one has the same quality. I don't like
2: the fact that the legs are rubber, and as such, I already have one just from the package that has a bent leg that's rotated in.
1: He's got a little bow-legged problem. We're not going to say anything. He's very sensitive. Yeah, They are very rubbery legs. I had a little trouble getting him to stand up if I didn't put his legs just right, too.
2: Now, he does have a middle leg, which you get out by rotating his head around. Now, I'm not sure how movie accurate this is. The middle leg only comes out completely straight with the body, and you can bend at the foot to have it hit the ground, but that middle leg, I thought it moved itself a little bit and wasn't completely hanging down the middle the way this one is.
1: Well, it's longer now, isn't it? It is, but you're supposed to have him
2: tilted back so that it would be on the ground. Ah, and then if you want his head turned to the side, you have a little bit more trouble making that middle leg hit the ground. its I don't think they should have connected the twisting of the dome with the protrusion of the third leg. Also, I think they try to make him seem like he comes with more accessories than he does. Because when you get him, he has these bare legs on the sides with the tabs <laughs> so that they could show off as four extra pieces, his regular leg sides, and then his episode two, we wish he didn't have these flame jet leg sides. (laughs) I guess he used them in episode three too, but I try to repress all the memories of R2 flying.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of things wrong with that. We won't get into that.
2: But you have those here. No translucent flame effects, which actually kind of worked a little bit on the three and three quarter inch figures with the flying mechanism. But then The thing that I find coolest is his front doors open up and he even has two little arms in there that come out. You've got the... One arm that looks like he's about to shock a little Ewok and chase him around. And then you've got the other arm, which he could use to try to repair something or pick something up.
1: Those are very cool, but I still think that he just doesn't have the same feeling. For my sake, I wish he was a little heavier because then I'd feel like I was getting more for my money instead of a glorified three and three quarter inch. I think he's the weakest of all of them.
2: I wanted to defend this figure, but I'm having a hard time doing so. I think he looks pretty good. I think a lot of the internet rage I've read about him isn't quite warranted, but his parts fall off. As we've been doing this review, we've been scrambling around the floor, grabbing head pieces that have fallen out. His leg pieces don't sit in quite right. It's like I have a bad hole. It's just not quite big enough for either the regular leg side or the... Other jet side.
1: Yeah, they just don't sit right. And even if I force them in, which I don't like doing, the hole just isn't big enough. I like
2: the silver they used on the dome, though. I like that it looks metallic without being the mirrored, vac-metalized look. I like all the colors they've done on him. But yeah, I'm going to say he's the weakest of the line, but he's still not terrible. I'd give him a 5 out of 10. I'd say he's a C, whereas the other figures are B's and A's.
1: But what if it's a grade
2: curve? Then he's still a C. It's a bell curve. He stays right in the middle. But overall, these six-inch figures have invigorated my excitement about Star Wars collecting like nothing else has. I know we had a look at some of the Saga Legends figures, and Jonathan reviewed the first wave of this three-and-three-quarter-inch Black Series figures. My feeling on the three-and-three-quarter Black-inch figures is they're pretty good, but... I don't know that I needed them. There are a couple of them are nice upgrades, but I don't know that any of them really got me excited because they're all characters we had before. They're minor upgrades, or I guess in Padme's case, a pretty major upgrade to characters. But I am not getting excited over Hasbro's three and three quarter inch offerings. I'm more amused by the bubble problems than excited for these new three and three quarter inch figures. I feel the same way about the three and three quarter inch vehicles. So what Hasbro doing with the line, I'm still buying as a completist collector. I'm still going, yeah, it's pretty good, but nothing are they giving me since I think probably the big ad ad that I go, yes, that is it. That is what I want. They did some good figures in the vintage collection. Distribution was so spotty that it was hard to get excited. I get really excited on things that I find on the shelves. And so these six inch figures are hitting me in a spot of excitement for Star Wars collecting that I haven't had in a long time. I like their heft. I like their articulation. I like their aesthetic. If you're an action figure collector, I mean, it's a really existential time to be an action figure collector because you got episode seven coming up. I mean, even Duncan Jenkins had considered for a brief moment being a Lucas-era Star Wars collector versus a all-Star Wars collector. We heard that from his wife, and it was an idea that he thought about and then quickly dismissed. But, I mean, you still, you could collect only Star Wars collectibles that have come out as of today and spend an entire lifetime and every penny of Bill Gates' fortune trying to get them all, if you go globally, and still not achieve that. So... If you aren't buying six-inch figures, the question is why? Is it because you've never bought six-inch figures and you're collecting as three and three-quarter? It's a completely valid reason. If it's you don't have space, that's a valid reason. If it's just outside your wheelhouse, if it's too expensive, if you don't want to buy the characters again, there's a lot of that. But as an action figure collector, I got to say the aesthetic, the articulation, this has all of it. And if you just love really well-done action figures, these are them. These may be the best action figures Hasbro's has ever put out for Star Wars.
1: And there's somebody who's clamoring for subpar action figures, so because, I mean, aren't we all in search of the well-made action figure?
2: Except for the Saga Legends collectors, yes.
1: Ouch!
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that it is disappointing because I don't see them able to do big vehicles. They've teased speeder bikes and tauntauns and things, and that's going to be very cool in the six-inch line. But it is also a little bit of... We do have these characters again, but I'd rather have them again in these articulated, detailed versions than have them again in three and three quarter inch. It just is a new era of collecting for me, and I am all on board with six inches. Size does matter because you can just put more articulation in a bigger thing. And it doesn't help that I'm starting to see pictures online of wave two of the three and three quarter inch series and going, yikes. Yakface posted on their Facebook page, they got their shipment in the mail, a look at the new figures. And they did a look at all four Mara Jade figures. Now, admittedly, two of them are the same with different lightsabers, but all four releases of Mara Jade. Now remember, this new Mara Jade figure is a fan's choice figure. People voted for her above all other characters. She looks hideous. One person commenting on the photo said it looks like it's a figure from RuPaul's Drag Race. And Jason from Yak Face is already on the hunt for a Black Widow figure from the Marvel line to fix this fugly head. I highly recommend the Avengers Assemble one because she's got some really nice hair. We review her on this Wednesday's Marvelicious Toys. It's so much better than this really ugly, ugly head. Good body, but oof, double bagger. <laughs> the R2-D2 with the jets that do have translucent figures, Pablo, Jill, Luminar, Unduli. I'm looking forward to getting these in hand again. I'm not ordering by the case. We'll see if Wave 2 ships. We've had problems with Wave 2 shipping in the before and a regular... Phase One Clone and Stormtrooper. We'll see if I have as many troubles tracking those down as I did the other clones. But those are shipping. If you don't want to fight the stores or you don't want to risk bubble staples, you can order your entire Wave 2 right now. It's in stock at Brian's Toys. You can also order it by the case. And you can pre-order Saga Legends Wave 2, the four figures, or get a case of those as well. They also have the Disney Ambush Star Tours figures and their Jocasta New that is a Brian's Toys exclusive. And remember when checking out at Brian's Toys, be sure you mention you were referred to them by Star Wars Action News. And Brian's Toys also sells on Amazon if you're an Amazon Prime member. And they had a gold box deal of the week last week for that Jocasta New figure.
1: A lot of people picked up for a song, as I recall.
2: Well, it's more expensive, but you get seven figures instead of just the one. A lot of people did pick it up. If you hadn't picked up those Target-exclusive three packs of figures, or if you wanted to droid build a little bit or cantina build, you got the Target-exclusive three pack with the Death Star droid, the Power Droid, and R5-D4, and then the pack with Snaggletooth, Boba Fett, and the Tusken, and Jocasta Nu. All for 40 bucks versus Jocasta New for 25 As of this recording, that is still available. It is free Super Saver shipping, or if you're a Prime member like us, free Amazon Prime shipping. And so you're getting a lot more bang for your buck there through Amazon and Brian's Toys. Speaking of Amazon, I got my TIE Interceptor in and it was in good shape. But that may have had some shipping problems. Nobody has reported to me getting a damaged one, but... It was one of those items that was taken off Amazon site and under review and then put back on and then taken back off.
1: So no tie gate this time.
2: No, I got mine in a black box or brown shipper box. Inside that was the white Hasbro box and inside that was a perfect condition tie interceptor. I also saved 20 bucks this week and I want to thank Yakface for the heads up on this. The Droid Factory figures, which are the Amazon exclusive set of six figures, went down to $49.99 from its regular price of $59.99. And it was only for a few hours. So if you follow us on Facebook and Twitter, you saw us mention it as well. But I ordered two sets of these, one to open, one to keep mint on minty minty card. And I saved 20 bucks and again, free super saver shipping. So follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If this gets dropped back down again, we will let you know.
1: J.W. Rinsler has another Making of Star Wars book coming out. This one is Making of Return of the Jedi. Such a good book,
2: but Brock will tell you all about it.
0: This is Brock, Star Wars Action News Book Club liaison, with a review of The Making of Return of the Jedi by J.W. Rinsler. Review copy courtesy of Delray Books. The making of Return of the Jedi by J.W. Rinsler being the third time around for this format is exactly what you want it to be. It is full of more behind-the-scenes information, concept sketches of different stages these classic characters and vehicles went through to get to what we know so well, more great photographs of the cast and crew on set, not just kibitzing, but actually making this classic movie, more photos of half-built sets, ILM creating the effect shots, handwritten notes, script drafts, storyboards... All combined with a narrative that cannot be beat. When the box arrived, I put it on the kitchen counter. So excited, because I know what's inside. And I open that box, and I pull out the book, and I make a sound to my wife, standing there on the other side of the kitchen counter. And she smiles with that sly smile of hers and says to me completely seriously, that's great, honey, but really, how much more is there for you to learn about Return of the Jedi? I mean, come on. And thankfully, after reading this book, I'm able to say, plenty. I learned a lot reading this book. I learned what the lead actors really thought of this script, of what they thought of each other, of how the Vader funeral pyre came into being, how and why Anakin Skywalker's appearance was hidden from much of the cast, including David Prouse, why we get the Emperor's blob on the side of his face in the throne room scenes, and so much more but her point is valid. I made a similar comment in my review three years ago of author J.W. Rinsler's The Making of the Empire Strikes Back as more than with his making of Star Wars, the material in the Empire book felt very familiar. And that feeling is certainly back here again with The Making of Return of the Jedi. This entry in the OT, more than any other, I have been tracking practically my whole life as I was voraciously reading by the time this movie came out and devouring anything I can get my hands on about Star Wars and Return of the Jedi. And we all know that there is so much more available about the behind the scenes of this film than the first two. And we learn about other reasons why that is in the book. And if you have the Behind the Magic CD-ROM for the 1990s, you know what I am talking about. If you've seen the documentaries and the -the behind-the-scenes TV specials, you know how they used the Steadicam in the forest to make the speeder bikes look like they were traveling 100 miles an hour. We all know how Jabba was operated and made. This story has been told before, figuratively and literally. There is a behind-the-scenes book written in the 1980s that Mr. Rinsler quotes here now and then. But the subtitle of this book, to Rinsler's The Making of Return of the Jedi, is The Definitive Story. And that properly defines this telling from all of those others. The book starts right after Empire is released and documents how ILM continued to work on non-Star Wars projects in the interim between movies, unlike before when they disbanded for a while and were brought back together when the time came. ILM, in addition to the merchandising, helped to finance Return of the Jedi and Lucas's other ideas for the company. And furthermore, we read about how the company's rights issues and distribution details with 20th Century Fox went down, Lucas's trouble with the DGA from Empire, how even in 1980, Lucas was pushing away from film to digital. There are a slew of Lucasfilm backstories this time around that I found remarkably more interesting than I did in the Making of Empire book. I found the pre-production phase even more interesting, and some of the details here just blew my mind. Like, for example, how the majority of the creatures we know so well were not designed for their specific roles we know them as. They were created first and then assigned the specifics. Musician, dancer, Admiral Akbar, etc. We learn another man was cast as the Emperor, and how Ian McDermott eventually got the job. We read just how close we came to David Lynch directing Jedi and how they settled on Richard Marquand as director. We are also treated to plenty of selections of early drafts of the screenplay to give an abundant look at how the story and dialogue took shape. One of my favorite parts in this entire volume are the excerpts from an epic story conference in the summer of 1981, mainly between Lucas and Lawrence Kasdan with Richard Marquand present. When this conference took place... There are already two script drafts written, and pre-production was in full swing. The conference itself generated 268 typed pages, and the passages of that transcript that we get to read are nothing short of fascinating. And at the top of this section, of this excerpt we get to read, Mr. Rinsler actually puts a disclaimer in. He puts a note stating that the ideas in the excerpt he is sharing are conceptual and not to be taken as Star Wars canon. Hysterical. They know us fans too well, but when you read it, you will know why they put that in there. The partial transcripts we get to read at this story conference really shows you the differences in the dynamic of the Kasdan-Lucas relationship and the Marquand-Lucas relationship. And how this essential conference resulted in the majority of what we know by heart as Return of the Jedi. I could spend hours talking about just this part of the book, of course I won't, but to me, this section is worth the price of the book alone. As interesting as the pre-production phase was to read about, I was ready to read about production, and once again we receive exhausting coverage as we get a breakdown of the daily production. The shots they are going for on each set or location, and the challenges therein of getting those shots. While for years I knew they filmed all the set work first in England and did all the location shooting here in the States, it never dawned on me for some reason that the Java Sail Barge interiors and the exterior Sarlacc Battle were filmed months apart until reading this book. It just didn't occur to me. Similarly, since the Ewok Village scenes were shot first in London, I learned they shot the end party, Yubnub on the eighth day of production. It goes on how difficult it was to keep the Jabba scenes looking fresh and dynamic as they needed to keep a stationary puppet as the focal point of each scene. He's in the challenges of directing a room full of puppets or a forest full of little people blinded in teddy bear masks and not to mention having two cooks in the kitchen. I have to tip my hat to Lucasfilm and George Lucas for allowing us to read about how they were essentially two directors on Return of the Jedi, even though one is credited as executive producer. And at times, it isn't the most flattering portrait of Lucas or Marquand, as we read how the cast and crew interacted with both, what they thought of Marquand as a person and as a director, his role on the set, when the crew and the cast went to Lucas about something, and when they went to Marquand and what the dynamic really was on that set. You can see the difference in directing style from Empire to Jedi right there on the screen, and after years of speculation on my part and perhaps yours, we read about how and why those differences came to pass. I was not expecting such candor, and I'm very happy they allow us to have it. In the post-production section, we get some of the greatest photographs in the entire book that beautifully show the matte process, the continuous testing of lighting, sound effects and looping, and the incredible miniature work. We all know how incredible that last space battle is, right? Wait till you read about how many elements they had going on at once to create those amazing shots. And in this section, the author expertly ratchets up the tension in the narrative, like a beach-read mystery novel of the ILM crew completing all the needed special effects shots with that looming deadline. I can't properly do justice to the photographs in this book. They're nothing short of spectacular. If you've seen the first two books, you know what I'm talking about. Even if you've seen some of these photographs before or not, they are simply remarkable. The photographs are copious and captivating. You have to see them for yourself. And two standouts I want to mention. There's a picture on page 112 of bookshelves full of Ewok heads that is sort of humorously disturbing. And quite a placement of a two-page layout of Princess Leia in the gold bikini in the centerfold position of this book. (laughs) The making of Return of the Jedi is certainly an exhaustive telling of how the last original trilogy Star Wars movie was made. While it did seem even more familiar than the making of The Empire Strikes Back did, having all this information and photographs in one place makes it completely worthwhile going down some of those familiar roads again. In addition to that, we get a real behind-the-scenes look at what it was like on the set with director Richard Marquand and executive producer George Lucas there together. No matter how much you think you know about Return of the Jedi, you will learn a lot more from this book and enjoy reading Mr. Rinsler's expert and authoritative narrative. I am preaching to the Ewok choir here on this one. I know when I say this is a tremendous addition to your bookshelf, a perfect gift for yourself or to give to your favorite Star Wars fan, it's a must-read, a big recommend from me for the making of Return of the Jedi. For Star Wars Action News and the Star Wars Action News Book Club, this is Brock. Now back to Arnie and Marjorie.
2: Thank you, Brock. Yeah, this completes the trilogy of the making of books. They're gorgeous books. They're huge books. They look so good on a bookshelf. And yet I'm going to buy them all again a little later this month in their ebook format with all that video content and stuff like we saw. It was the single high point of San Diego Comic-Con for me being in that books panel with G.W. Rensler showing off this footage and... Oh my lord, seeing some of this behind the scenes stuff. Why they didn't put this on the DVD set? Well, they probably just didn't know where it was until Rinsler uncovered it while doing his research. But man, definitely get these in ebook form, whether or not you get those in paper form. Because for me, I like having the paper because in the ebook form, it's so transitory. I mean, Kindle may not be here by the end of my lifetime. iTunes may not be here by the end of my lifetime. And then will these formats work? The paper is forever. Finally this week, last weekend, we went down to Project Comic-Con in St. Louis. And I'd never been to Project Comic-Con before. This was its third year.
1: Yeah, it was a new convention in the St. Louis area. It was held at the Westport Sheraton. And it was an interesting little convention. It was held in the hotel ballroom. It wasn't, you know, a big convention center or anything. But it was packed with people. There were a lot of artists. Really heavy on the artists and the comic book writers. Tons of them. Toy vendors were kind of not very much there was maybe a handful maybe half a dozen to a dozen wouldn't you say
2: yeah it wasn't very much and not a whole lot of star wars we did see the stuff that we see on shelves the six inch figures and such but not a whole lot i did get a cool kind of csi lithograph of stormtroopers trying to research who killed greedo at the cantina
1: yeah that was very cool
2: and I continued my Greedo sketch project, getting a $25 sketch from somebody down there who had never done a Greedo before, got it in his own style. The sketch artist I got doing it this time was James Chiramitaro, and he gave Greedo a tongue. He offered to color in the tongue when I got it in case I didn't like the tongue, but I thought the tongue was kind of a nice little addition.
1: I liked your Greedo. I thought it was very cool.
2: But... I definitely say this is a project Comic Con. It's up and coming. We were looking for Star Wars comics and could find almost none. In fact, not almost none, none. None of the vintage Marvel comics. No tons of cosplay. I'd say per capita, a lot more cosplayers than normal. Strangely, also per capita, a lot more con scent than normal. There were times when it was a small con, I'd have to just flee a corner due to the gagging, retching scent that would fill the area. There were like some booths I wanted to look at and I'd get near and just turn around and get the hell
1: out. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. There was some stink going on.
2: But I'll definitely be checking it out again next year. Maybe cosplaying as somebody who wears a breather (laughs) you think you're funny but i'm really looking forward to our next convention new york comic-con
1: yep we're going back
2: cannot wait we will have our next show in two weeks from new york comic-con there is a hasbro event hasbro has no official presence at new york comic-con However, there is a night before the con press gathering for Hasbro. So they promise Star Wars reveals and we will have those. And I don't know if reveals means new news of figures or just we get to see figures that aren't out yet. A chance to talk maybe with the brand team, maybe find out about Bubblegate.
1: <laughs> I think everybody's going to be asking them about Bubblegate. I'm
2: wondering if I should take Daryl DePriest a bubble tea as a gift. Ha! But all that... And more Kodobukia's exclusive R2Q5.
1: I love those little droids. They're so awesome. I love Kodo. I think they do great stuff.
2: All that and more in two weeks here on Star Wars Action News. And in the meantime, let us know what you're finding, what you're buying, what you think of Mara Jade's new hairdo. Give us a call at 415-508-Jedi or send an MP3 or voice memo to show at swactionnews.com.
1: We'll see you in New York.
0: Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We want your feedback and suggestions for Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at SWActionNews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at SWActionNews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can also find Star Wars Action News on Facebook and Twitter. The links to our social media sites are at swactionnews.com. You can be on Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at swactionnews.com. All materials submitted become the property of Star Wars Action News and are subject to use on our show. You can find even more Star Wars coverage at our sister podcast, Republic Forces Radio Network, where we review each episode of the Clone Wars cartoon series. You can find that podcast at republicforces.com. If you're into Star Wars novels, check out the Star Wars Action News Book Club, where we read and review all the Star Wars novels. That podcast is at swactionnews.com. For more Star Wars collecting, please check out GalacticHunter.com, JediDefender.com, Archives.com, and YakFace.com. And we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. You can help support Star Wars Action News by making a donation using the Donate button at SWActionNews.com or by using affiliate links on the Star Wars Action News homepage when shopping online. Your support helps keep Star Wars Action News on the air. We also appreciate it if you would spread the word about Star Wars Action News. If you enjoyed the show, please post about Star Wars Action News on Facebook, Twitter, or your social media network of choice, or just tell a friend about the show. We would also greatly appreciate a five-star review written on iTunes. A link to our iTunes page is at SWActionNews.com. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, edited, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. The Star Wars Action News team is segment reporters Jerry, Brock, Jonathan, Nathan, and Steve. Graphic design by Chris. Image editing by Jay. Podcast enhancement by Andrew and Berent. Associate produced and podcast announcements by Brock. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by Star Wars fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all that the Star Wars universe contains is trademark and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, all rights reserved. Until next time, may the pegs be stocked and the Force be with you.
2: We've also got a review of the making of Return of the Jedi. J.W. Rensler continuing his look back at all of those. That was horrible. <laughs> One person commented on Yak Face's photo that it looks like it's from Drew Paul's Drag Race.
1: It's RuPaul. That's what I said. I thought you said Drew Paul. No, RuPaul. You, you might have said Drew Paul. <laughs> we'll see you next week. No, we won't. Seven years we've done it that way.
2: I know. <laughs> Eight. See you in New York.